Well, hi, everyone, and welcome back to Crosswires. It's James here, and I hope you've had a fantastic week since the last time we spoke. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about music, a particular type of music that, you know, I was saying to my guest before we started, I have to be honest, it's not a genre of music that I am hugely associated with. You know, for me, classic FM or a soundtrack album, that, that's my go-to. But this form of music has done so much to influence technology and so much to influence culture that, you know, when my guests reach out to me, I had to say, yes, let's get you on the show. Would you all please welcome to Crosswise Manny Faces? James, how are you, sir? Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you. My pleasure. An absolute delight to have you with us. So before we start talking about, now, the form of music we're going to be talking about is hip-hop. And I sound like a really old man when I say hip-hop <laughs> like that, don't I? <laughs> the hip-hop. I think we're talking about the hip-hop today. What's that <clears throat> hip-hop there? I heard about it on on the on the Twitter. <laughs> What's the Twitter? As my late granddad would say, "What on earth is that racket?" <laughs> so, Manny, before we start talking about music and talking about hip hop, do you want to tell people a little bit about yourself? Maybe you know, you tell people about your journey and and your, of course, your podcast. Yeah, absolutely. And again, I appreciate uh, being here with you, man. You know, at at heart, I'm a journalist. uh, So I've been doing I've been in the journalism field for a long time. But longer than that, I've been a, you know, music head, you know, music guy. As a teenager, I was a DJ. uh, And then I started getting into music production in my late teens and early 20s. And I had a little recording studio in the house and working with some of the local guys. And I grew up right outside of New York City. And I'm about the same age as hip hop. So that was sort of our, you know, music and cultural influence of the day. I stayed in that kind of as a hobbyist with some, you know, could have been a contender aspirations uh, for a while, but then eventually found myself in the real world working in journalism. Uh, And that was pretty cool. We were working for what we over here call the alternative news weeklies, which were the, you know, weekly newspapers that would come out of certain areas that were sort of the, edgier, anti-corporate, you know, uh, the vil- the Village Voice being one of the most famous known throughout the world. And we had one on Long Island that sort of had similar tone and we would go against, you know, evildoers in the corporate sphere and, you know, maybe a crooked cop or two, you know. And so we were kind of like the the uh, the hound dogs of the journalism world. And I really respected the, the, the folks that I had started where I was a graphic designer. I wasn't necessarily on the, you know, a reporter. Uh, But I had some writing chops and I was able to enter the fray a little bit. So doing that throughout a few years uh, in the daytime, I lived, as I said, outside of New York City and I was a hip hop guy and I loved the the music and the scene. And at that time, New York was less so the mecca of hip hop as, you know, one might imagine. Other cities were starting to become very, very popular. The industry was following them, Houston, Atlanta, and New York was kind of seemingly seemingly rumor had it uh dead in the water when it came to hip-hop music and and culture and influence and i didn't believe that and i lived near new york and so what i did was i started a publication called birthplace magazine and for many years i covered personally and some folks who helped me i covered the new york city hip-hop music scene i was probably the only one at that time which is crazy because that's you know again it's birthplace right so i did that for a few years uh, ended up having a complimentary podcast, as it were, back in the days, uh, Blog Talk Radio. Some of us uh, OG podcasters oh, yeah. know about that. So I had a show called The New York Hip Hop Report, and every Sunday live, uh, we take calls. It was like sports talk radio, but for New York Hip Hop. Uh, so I did this for a number of years. And one of the things that I found when I was doing this was not only the great independent, incredible independent artists that were still making music, having doing shows, uh, c- small communities within the greater New York City musical, you know, uh, ecosystem. These fantastic people, brilliant people. I started finding people who were using hip hop music in innovative ways. We'll get it. This is this is what'll tee up our conversation. I think they were in uh, not not just mu- not just entertainment, right? So using hip-hop in schools. There were some teachers who were using it as sort of curriculum aids. There was a um, test prep program that was using, that was teaching kids. We have these standardized tests for high schoolers. And uh, very, you know, very often some kids are messing up. They they don't really follow it. They're not really doing it. So this program brought teaching artists into the classroom to help teach the material through rap, through music. And I was like, well, this is really fascinating stuff. So I started covering that more and more. 
eventually, as we get to today, I've sort of made it my mission to, I kind of sunsetted the New York specific you know, focus of my work as a journalist and now advocate. And what I do is I continue to find and advocate for and amplify the work of people who are doing uh, incredible, innovative things through the use of hip hop music and culture. And as you mentioned, my podcast, I interview them and often discuss these things on uh, Hip Hop Can Save America, which is uh, my podcast that kind of focuses on this kind of stuff. And that's where we are now. Awesome. That's, that's, fant- that's fantastic. It's so encouraging. So let, let's start with the hip hop technology, as it were. Yeah. Because, of course, hip. Now, this is my incredibly limited knowledge <laughs> right. based on some time hanging out with, <laughs> of all things, I think I said this pre show, yeah. a Christian hip hop DJ yeah. back in the 90s. All right. Um, so. I know a little bit about, you know, the sort of the, the decks, as it were. Yeah. Am I using the right terminology sure. here? Yeah, the, the Technics 1200s and the 1210s. And, you know, understand a little bit about sort of how scratching works. But yeah. do you want to tell us a little bit about how technology for for the, for the DJ inside of things has maybe yeah. evolved to start with? That, that's a great place to start. And I just want to preface this talk. You know, some some folks may or may not, this may be old news to some folks. This may not. Uh, this may be new news to some folks. What I like to remind folk is that while hip hop is a genre of music, it's also a culture, right? And mm-hmm. so it has a larger uh, umbrella of artistic and creative and you know, ethos uh, surrounding it. It's the same name as the genre. So it often gets, you know, people often look at hip hop as just being rap music and that's it. You know, but there's this whole mentality and way of life that kind of surrounds that. And that comes in, that does come into play when we look at technology's influence on hip-hop and vice versa. Okay. So you talk about DJing, right? One of the stories I like to relate or that I was really fascinated by was a, a, a DJ named Grandmaster Flash. Uh, Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five, you know, obviously a pioneering uh, DJ, a pioneering group. And if you ever watched the show on Netflix, The Get Down, uh, there was sort of a run, uh, sort of a semi-fictionalized account of how his involvement in New York City in the 70s, uh, you know, spawned kind of, the genre and the culture of hip hop. He was part of it. He was actually a executive producer on the show. So one of the things that Grandmaster, what you said on the decks, right? So you you see DJs now, even EDM or, you know, obviously starting with hip hop, but pretty much any DJ that you might see playing out these days has two turntables and they're able to manipulate them with a mixer in the middle and send the signal from one side, from one record or from one, you know, as it now is all electronic, but from one deck to into the other, out to the to the audience, you can listen in your headphones to what's playing on the on the other deck, while what's playing on deck one is is playing to the audience. So you can cue it up and have it all ready, and then you blend in the next song or you bring in the next beat. And this is what DJs do, you know, ad ad nauseum throughout every sound stage in, in the world. When Grandmaster Flash figured out that there's disco songs in the '70s that have this break in the middle this breakdown where it, the, all, all the instrumentation basically stops and it's just the drums, right? And it's the, whatever the drum yeah, is, yeah. right? And he says, you know, when we're playing this music, that's the hot part of the song. That's when all the dancers jump up and kind of get into it. He says, as a DJ, I want to extend that little 10, you know, eight bar, you know, measure or 10 second clip. How do I do that with two turntables? That whole concept didn't exist yet. So everything you see DJs do now with the back and the forth and creating a way to go back and, and forth between two turntables to either blend a beat or extend a beat, he had to figure out how to do that. And he and some others, it was some other great DJs at the same time who were kind of playing with the same kind of techniques, as it were. So Grandmaster Flash had to go to the record store at the time and try out every turntable he could find. Because what you have to do is you have to spin the record backwards and get it started again. And what he says is records with low record players with low torque. Okay. He called this the torque theory. Wouldn't be able to start up fast enough to get the music up to speed. Makes sense. So that's one thing you had to go look for. Two, there were two kinds of uh, stylus, a uh, needle that, you know, go, that at the time, a uh, conical and I forget the other one. He had to research to see which of the two styles would stay within the groove of the record when you spun it backwards. One had a better stereo response. So it sounded better. The other, but it would fall out of the groove. The other one didn't have as big a stereo response, so it didn't have as great a, a sound, but it would stay in the groove. So he would use that kind of needle. 
the idea of going back and forth between the mixer and having the preview deck right in your headphones so you hear what's about to happen and you know when to bring it in that didn't exist yet he had to go to radio shack and buy a switch and rewire the mic the headphones to this switch so that he could manually switch between the two audio inputs and be able to hear what's happening in the next record so when we you know we look back at you know i recently done a lot of episodes on retro computing yep. vintage computers and people hacking around with us you know the earliest kit computers in the in the late 70s 80s people had to put us together we're talking something incredibly similar where you're having to create your own accessories and do mm-hmm. things that were probably never intended absolutely in that hardware and absolutely and in technique too because you know hacking is you know electrical but you know, when you're dumpster diving, you're hacking. I know many. I know about the hackers. I know about that. I I go. I'm old enough to remember phone freaking, so I know some. I know some things. You know, dumpster diving. So when he had to go and find, you know, uh, turntables, he was in the pawn shops. He was in, you know, people throwing things out. Finally, he settled on a techniques, which is where it wasn't the 1200, but it was the predecessor. And that's why techniques ended up sort of being the 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 brand associated with hip hop. Last thing that he did was. And again, it's not always tech, it's not always electric, right? I mean, hip hop's known for having park jams, you know, when there was no uh, after school activities. Remember, the 70s in the Bronx was, you know, bankrupt, practically. Yeah. And, and it was, it was literally on fire. There was rubble buildings around. It was, it was there's no money. There was no school. There's no firemen and, and, and fire service and police services were cut off from the, from, from the borough for, you know, for many folks. This whole gang culture was going on, all this negative stuff. And and so DJ started saying, well, we're going to find some way to pass the time and we'll go out in the park and have these parties. Well, there's no electrical outlets in the park. But what they did was they hijacked the lamppost electricity. <laughs> so from the very beginning, hip hop has been hacking technology and doing all these things to do what isn't supposed to be done, which is, as we know, heralded. In the computer industry, when we talk about Steve Jobs and Wozniak with their blue box, right? That's oh, yeah. that's famous. Yeah. They they are gods for being able to take this technology and do some illegal stuff, mind you, right? Let's not throw these rascals, you know, and 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 do all this stuff. So hip hop was doing that from the beginning. And the last anecdote with Grandmaster Flash was that the last thing he had to do because now he's spinning the records back and forth. He's got this whole thing going. But if you buy a turntable, even to this day. Underneath is a rubber mat, and it's meant to not let the record slip. But you want the record to slip, so that had to go. But if you take that out, underneath on the record player is a metal plate. It's just metal, and you don't want to spin your record on the metal. So Grandmaster Flash, his mother was a seamstress, so he knew about materials. He says, if I put something in between there that might you know, help me uh, maintain the, the spin, but not you know too much, not too little... And he says, so I go to the fabric store. This is a 17, you know, 18-year-old kid at the time. There's no training, no, no engineering. He's already engineered this whole electrical system. And he says, I found felt. He goes, felt is great. It's soft. It has a little bit of friction. He says, I can use this, but felt is very limp. So when my mother wasn't looking, I got her spray starch. I sprayed this felt that I cut out in the shape of a record. And I put it on between the record and the metal plate. That worked. To this day... That's known as the slip mat. Every DJ before computer controlled controllers, every DJ in the world uses a slip mat. He invented that. So when it comes to DJing, to music, to genres that have spawned from hip hop, electronic, you know, dance music, even late 70s, you know, disco, house, all these, you know, jungle techno, all these genres kind of spawn from these technological advances that were, you know, ha- you know, kind of done on the fly by some uh, some teenagers in the Bronx. Yeah, and I, again, I remember, you know, my friend explained to you, this is a slip map, this is what helps us, you know, spin the discs back. Yeah. And, you know, and it's incredible how far we've come because I have, you know, seen the evolution. We've gone from, you know, obviously two decks with a, with a mixer in the middle to, uh, I think, was it, Pione- was it Newmark or Pioneer's CD? decks i think it was in was it newmark uh they both had them you know so i don't know what came out first but see yeah cd decks see yeah cd decks uh, four decks being able to be played at once you know serato now you know being able to to load all your music on you know and then play it from a disc drive no no carrying records anymore 
no carrying CDs. It's all on your, on a disc drive. It's, you know, hundred thousand songs at your fingertips, and you can play them like a DJ in any you know venue in the world. It's pretty crazy. Pretty, I mean, you know, I'm. I remember, you know, this was many years ago. This was 2012, and it was my grandparents' diamond wedding anniversary, mm. and I needed, I didn't need to scratch anything, but I needed a way to have a really good playlist and be able to maybe do some sort of. Do little bits of something, you know, just just something a bit different. I had on my iPad DJ, mm. a DJAY, yeah, DJ Pro on my iPad. I was able to, you know, maybe pull the do a little bit, you know. Yeah. He didn't do too, didn't do too much scratching because, you know, these are older people. They don't <laughs> didn't quite appreciate it, you know. You can't really, you can't really do a scratch mix to Daniel O'Donnell, you know. <laughs> for, for any of our listeners who don't know who Daniel O'Donnell is, he's an Irish yeah. singer, and um... <laughs> <laughs> no, it probably would have, uh, you know. Although I'm, I'm sure as as you had a you know Christian uh, DJ and, and the Christian uh, hip hop field is 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 large and 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 you know there is definitely that that I'm sure there's some traditional Irish music that's blended in. That's the thing about hip hop is that not only does it like hack technologically, but it hacks culturally and it hacks music musically. Uh, you know, hip hop is a great is a great phrase, and this. This will encompass everything we're talking about today. Uh, Grandmaster Kaz uh, from uh, you know another pioneering MC in a documentary called "The Art of War," uh, "The Art of War," "The Art of Rap," uh, which uh, Ice T directed. It's actually a really good documentary for people who like kind of you know really kind of let me f- uh, let me get a more I guess educational or fair minded look at rap music. I'm just curious. Yeah. It's a good documentary for that. And then in that he says hip hop didn't invent anything, but hip hop reinvented everything and that's kind of what we're talking about when we talk about this stuff so i guarantee you that if you go on spotify somewhere and find you know irish hip-hop you're gonna find like traditional irish music influenced in in current productions hip-hop's been doing that with jazz funk rock soul you know reggae i my shout out to my guy silent night who did a hip-hop polka like it it you know that 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 intersection hip-hop is is probably unique and how much it can pull from other sources and hack uh, or, you know, remix anything. Yeah. I mean, I remember being at a worship event and a, a good friend of mine did a mix, did a, a sort of a, you know, a mix, mashup of Praise My Soul, the King of Heaven, which is a very slow, traditional hymn with a lovely sort of drum and bass mm, beat behind I it. I love it. And it, it, it just sounded amazing. And I, I try, I told, I remember telling someone about it, a friend of mine, who doesn't like anything being done to his worship music. <laughs> right. He likes it very plain and simple. Sure. He was disgusted <laughs> at the idea of a, a DJ decks being used in a church. Yeah. But do you know what? I think that hits on a lot of how hip hop can influence, you know, inspire. Because let's be honest, we all have different backgrounds and we all have different ways we relate, relate to things. And we can't ever assume that teaching, that church that entertainment is a one-size-fits-all approach it is not and it never will be and so i think and i you know i've seen hip-hop play a huge role in meeting people where they are Mm, absolutely you know it has that potential and and it it happens you know quite often you're right and again some of the stuff that i discovered along you know my journey has shown me how much that could be to where you know when i say hip-hop could save america i mean it sounds lofty and you know and kind of you know kitschy but i think that that is true to a big extent because of the influence and again it's not just the music so it's the mentality right the mentality of just what we're talking about now taking ideas from different sources using them in ways that maybe perhaps they weren't originally intended to create something that benefits humanity that's what we're talking about so that that concept is what hip hop is. There's there's no other way that hip hop exists if not for that train of thought. So if we know that that's again, this is hacking. This is uh, social and emotional intelligence. This is all the things that we want from our young people to have and from society to have. So you talk about meeting people where they are in this incredibly d- divisive world. And again, we're, I'm American, but really, hip hop could save the world. Is the next podcast? Don't tell anyone um, because this is tr- translates universally there's no place in the world where i can go right now you could put me on a plane and parachute me out and i haven't done that before so i'd need a tandem they'll just do it and then be like you say 
dead. And I'm like, no. And you could parachute me out to anywhere in the world where there's people, not in the ocean. Um, I'm glad we got that class. Yeah, I have to be yeah, very specific now. <laughs> and I'll find hip hop within a few, within a couple hours, anywhere in the world. And, and without speaking the language, without being of the, of the same religion, without being the same race, you know, ethnicity, whatever, I'll have a community that I can be a part of. I'll probably have a place to stay that night. I'll, I'll have dinner. You know what I mean? I'll have a community. I guarantee it. And I'd let any TV producers, let's do it. So where else do you see that? See, this is the thing. KRS-One, you know, another pioneering, you know, MC said one time in a lecture, it's online, it's incredible, it's a lecture in the Netherlands of all places. Uh, he, was, he, he does what I do, goes around and, and does this kind of talk. Well, I do what he does. He's been doing it longer than me. And he says, you know, in America, we have that Dr. Martin Luther King quote that gets thrown around all the time. You know, uh, that one day that, you know, I, I wish that the, the, my children will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. And he says, nowhere in the world does that actually happen. No. Right? Doesn't happen anywhere. He goes, except in hip hop. If you're in a hip hop friendly space and you walk in black, white, foreign, tall, short, gay, straight, whatever, and you can spit bars or you can dance if we're in a dance cipher and you could dance and you have that authentic authenticity and that respect for you know the unspoken rules of this of the dance cipher where you don't just you know run in and it's like i'm here now you know you, you have to know when you go and know when it's your turn and and th- this happens amongst people that don't speak the same language that happens all the time in hip-hop all the time so for all the negative stuff we hear about hip-hop i don't know of anything else Maybe, I mean, even sports, uh, religion, the internet that bring that that can bring people from different backgrounds together. None of those things can. What are the biggest movements in the world where you can have these? As there's nothing more inclusive in my in my view. So yeah, it's there's a blueprint in there somewhere. For what is it about this culture, about this music, this dance, this fashion, this style of of living? that has that inclusivity that we all want. So that's what we're trying to parse and we're trying to show examples of it. Uh, there's a program out of the United States called Next Level and they take a bunch of teaching artists and they go around the world. It's run by the, it's run in conjunction with the United States State Department. So it's a bunch of rappers and dancers and teachers and visual artists, you know, uh, spray paint, you know, painters, writers. And they go around the world as a team to conflict areas, to countries that have conflict zones and they say well what we're doing is we're doing a, a cultural exchange we're, we're showing them how we do hip-hop we're learning how they do hip-hop but what we're really teaching them is conflict resolution that's at the core of their program so here's a uh, an organization that goes around the world and teaches conflict resolution <laughs> you know through hip-hop Love it. it's so, so yes i think that the influences of meeting people where they are finding something that has a common dna because listen in in America, you know, Republican, Democrat, left, right, all the all your kids listen to hip hop, bro. <laughs> all your kids are listening to hip hop. There's something there that if we could tap into better, you know, we might have, I don't know, like some solutions. And it's fast, you know, for me, it is fascinating. You know, we, you know, I I remember growing up and again not having much exposure to hip hop, but watching Refresh Prince of Bel Air. Mm. And see, you know, and seeing, you know, because obviously Will Smith's character, well, currently if I'm wrong, Will Smith was a, a, a hip hop DJ. Yeah, a rapper, you know, rap artist. Rapper. Yeah, yeah. He was a rap artist, yeah. yeah, yeah. He was a rap he was artist. A, was, matter of fact, the first rap Grammy, when they introduced the category, went to DJ, uh, DJ Jazzy Jeff and a Fresh Prince, and that was Will Smith. That was there. So they, he's the recipient of the first rap Grammy. Wow. And, you know, and you saw that his culture very well i might be wrong but to me you saw his culture so well represented in refresh prince not diluted either yeah it was a great representation of that and i think that's look i'm a white dude from long island new york right so i i'm not of you know the the uh uh, the actual you know background that a lot of hip-hop has come from created you know obviously in New York city, primarily, primarily by black and brown Americans. Uh, and that always has to be said because we have to be careful about, you know, misappropriation of these things. But what that did was, and that's an example of is how obviously hip hop has become popular culture, right? That's popular culture, Mm. right? So, so you don't want to lose the, you know, the, you don't want it to get whitewashed or overblown or whatever the case, but what you saw there was an authentic view into uh, someone else's, 
life, right? And someone else's uh, background. And I, I talked to a lady, her name is Doc, Dr. Andrea Hunt, and she teaches in North Alabama, the University of North Alabama. And if you know anything about United States politics, North Alabama is very right, red, Trump country kind of place, right? Oh, yeah. So mm-hmm. it's Alabama, right? We in the middle of Alabama. And she teaches a sociology of hip hop course in a predominantly white college in a predominantly white class. And a lot of kids are like, what is this? They know hip hop, but they only know like radio hip hop and, you know, like pop pop stuff. They don't know the, the all this culture that we're talking about today, all this largely unknown way to look at, at hip hop. They, they're not really familiar with that. But what, what she tells me is at the end of the course or during the middle of the course, what they're doing is they're taking some of the lyrics, right, from some of the artists, some of the same lyrics that most people might listen to, that some people might listen to and say, oh, that's so negative. You're talking about violence and, or drugs or all the terrible, you know, things that happen, uh, you know, in, in these communities. I'm doing air quotes. And, and that's terrible stuff. And we shouldn't be exposed to that. And, you know, they should just get a job. Um but but what they're doing is exactly what you said the Fresh Prince is doing. In in, large, in a lot of cases, not, I understand there's embellishment. There's you know, uh, j- just like in the movies, right? Not every you know, um, movie is a documentary. But some of the lyrical contributions from some of the maybe more serious artists and more poetic artists, and even some of the lesser ones are journalism. It's it's documentary, yeah. right? So by doing that, by very you know purposefully picking and choosing, but some serious works, some literature, some hip hop literature in the form of music and breaking down to these students who are not familiar with those communities for not familiar with those cultures, not familiar with those places that these folks come from. You only hear the negative stuff. You only hear what, you know, maybe, you know, propagated through media. You start getting an understanding of, oh, they're rapping about this because this is something that they had to live through. Why did they have to live through this? What are the sociopolitical, you know, consequences that have led them to this place? Why don't they just go and, you know, get jobs instead of selling drugs? It opens up so many different conversations from a starting point that they're very familiar with, which is rap music, which is music. So it's interesting you bring up the Fresh Prince thing. And it's why Boys in the Hood was so popular. Now, again, there's voyeurism and there's, you know, serious uh, analyzing that has to be done, but it does open up possibilities, you know, a, a better cultural understanding of meeting people where they are, like you said earlier. Absolutely. Um, of course, we can't, you know, talk about the impact that hip hop's culture has had on society, had, has had on technology, without just talking a little bit about debunking some of those negatives. Because you you mentioned earlier about spray mm. paste, paint artists. And do you know what? I love spray paint work. I love detailed. I, I don't, graffiti is the, the technical term for the artwork. And to me, there's two types of graffiti. Right. There's graffiti that has been lovingly crafted and is someone's pride and joy. And it's dedicated artwork and he's done yep. with consent in, you know, and done in a proper way. And then right. there's just vandalism. The former is not automatically the latter, mm, right. if that makes right. sense. Just because you hear someone say, oh, I'm a graffiti artist, does not mean they are going out and vandalizing other people's properties. Yes, there are people who do that. And it's, you know, and it's sad that I think in a lot of cultures, not just in hip hop, but the good elements of those cultures can get twisted. Everything can get twisted, right? I mean, you're not to get too political. Okay, whatever people's views Mm -hmm. on gun ownership is, I've always held the belief that a responsible human being who is a right, the right mental, what's the word? Sound mind, right? Sound (laughs) mind. Yep. Sound mind is a responsible person. No problem at all with them holding a, a handgun for for safety or for right. or for sport. But when you start turning those things into tools yeah. of violence, that's when and it's the same with yeah. you know graffiti. Where you know, unfortunately, where I live, there is a whole swathe of a place called and you know a lot, a lot of people know where I live. There's a place called Boscombe Chine Gardens, and there's a path down there, and it is horribly vandalized with yeah. spray paint markings. We're not graffiti. Because I see what you're saying. Yep. Art is, yeah. yeah. Do you, you know what I mean? And I, I think, so putting, putting graffiti work yeah. aside, what would you say if you had to pick, pick maybe, maybe the top two or three negative stereotypes of 
the hip hop culture. We we really need to debunk. Yeah, first of all, I think that is a great example. Uh, to be honest, and in both of your examples, graffiti and handgun ownership, right? And then turning, you know, having bad apples that, you know, take that responsible thing and, you know, do it in a way that society doesn't approve of, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to say, you know, I agree. Of course, you know, I would much rather see, you know, uh, visual arts be welcomed into the community. A store should allow the side of their building to be mural, you know, muraled, but I don't, but I'd also like to see more art classes, in schools that don't have proper funding and I don't. And so I see young people who have artistic, you know, impulses, but they have no outlet for them. And when you're running around as a young person, you might, you know, do some, you know, painting here and there, or you might put up, you know, your tag here and there, the tagging, the name, the, just what you would say is, is vandalism in, in historically, Again, going back to New York, where they used to spray the, the the sides of the subway trains, and it was considered terrible vandalism. Now, some of it was quite artistic, and some of it was just someone putting a their name in a in a fancy way, right? Yeah. But at that time, and I think that this still happens today, there's a inherent need for some young people to feel seen. You know what I mean? Yes. And so while the output is not what we would like to, you know, see randomly strewn upon and, you know, again, all willy nilly and not necessarily, you know, with all the flair, you know, of some of the other artists, there's sometimes a reason that it exists. And the same thing with handgun owners. When we see all this crazy nonsense happening with, you know, people shooting up places here in the States left and right. Yeah, it's horrible. And yes, I want better gun laws. And yes, I don't think guns should be as easily accessed. But there's also underlying issues with these people, with society, with, you know, that needs to be addressed that are really at the cause of these things. So I think that happens throughout everything, you know. Yeah. But but particularly when we talk about hip hop, and this is what I think is so important, and I really appreciate having this outlet, because what I'm talking about are like amazing things that hip hop can do, right? I've seen children who were not interested in school. I've seen evidence of them becoming engaged and improving their grades and having great, you know, uh, academic uh, goals just from being, you know, these incorporation of some of these programs. I've seen kids, uh, I've interviewed a bunch on Hip Hop Can Save America of school counselors and mental health therapists that have counseled kids through the use of hip hop music. And so the greatest myth and misconception about, you know, hip hop is, especially now, if you listen to lyrics on the radio, it's violence and drugs and all these negative things. And yeah, a lot of hip hop contains that because a lot of life contains that, you know, you know, it's, it's sort of a, uh, sort of a mirror of society and often a mirror of society that if you are not comfortable with that, then it's a, it's a part of society that you're not familiar with. doesn't mean that that society, part of society doesn't exist. So it's it's negative and it's horrific and it's a bad influence, but so is what these young people see every day. So if we talk about drug use in music, which is more prevalent, there's a joke in hip hop that back in the 80s and 90s, all the rap songs were about selling drugs. And now all the rap songs are about taking drugs. Well, that's true because in the 80s and 90s in black and brown neighborhoods in America, there was a crack epidemic. And one of the ways to escape poverty when there were not a lot of resources was to sell crack. <laughs> and so you may, you know, that's the way you escape, you attempted to escape poverty. Well, that's why you heard it reflected in the music. When young kids are taking drugs or talking about taking prescription pills or being depressed or having all these mental health issues, they're going through stuff. And if your young kids relate to those artists then there's something you need to know about your kids. So I look at some of the negative stuff that a lot of people, you know, see in hip hop and say, yes, how much of this though is a reflection of, you know, some things that are happening to our young people and in our society that need to be dealt with or need to be looked at in a different way. Um, And I think that's the biggest myth that, that all of this stuff is, and some of it is again, embellished, amplified, done for clout, but, a lot of it isn't. And so when you hear about in New York, there's a big thing going on with drill music, sort of a sub genre of rap and where folks that are involved in gang violence might be carrying out criminal acts and then they're rapping about them. <laughs> and then now there's the biggest debate, whether lyrics should be used in court as evidence, you know, that's all happening, not because of rap, 
the violence in the community is there and the problems are still there. If rap didn't exist, they'd just be penning uh insulting messages to each other as pen pals you know what i mean like there would be they'd be doing youtube shorts right 100 percent. there'd be some way of 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 expressing what they've done or what they want to do to their fellow man rap just happens to be that outlet for them so the biggest myth of course is that that's all that hip-hop is about so not only is not not only is that's not what rap is about because there's let's not forget kendrick lamar won a pulitzer prize for his album. So if, if you're going to tell me that it's all about drugs and rat and, and gangs and negativity, I'm going to say we have Pulitzer Prize winners. We also have folks that have been shown to use more vocabulary than William Shakespeare did. We also have people that are doing storytelling. We also have people that are uh, speaking from LGBTQ perspectives or um, from, uh, you know, that are educa- educators that are teaching. We have folks that are uh, teaching history through, uh, you know, through hip hop. So all of these things exist. They're all there. And what may be, you know, sort of front and center to most folk, especially, you know, in passing, uh, is a very uh, small representation of what the music and culture have to offer. And I cannot echo that enough. And thank you so much, you know, for bringing that to light. I think it's really good to have that discussion. I do want to loop back a little bit to to the technology side of stuff because, you know, that's what we are. We are a tech podcast, but I, I you know, the reason you're on the show is because we want to promote the positive sides of technology and where different cultures and different um, styles of expression use technology. So I, I did want to look now a, a little bit uh, at some of the, the modern tools, maybe to, you know, if people want to express themselves and learn a little bit about how to, you know, how to hip hop, how to create that mashup, those wonderful mashups, people don't have to go out now and buy and spend the money on, a whole deck, a whole with a proper mixer, and and but now vinyl is of course coming back in terms of popularity. Uh, there's at least three or four proper, you know, rec vinyl shops near me, you know, and I have fond memories um, of. And and by the way, I will be really transparent about this on the show. I talk about my granddad. My granddad, as at the time of recording this, this is the sixth of September. My granddad sadly left us on either the first or the second. Ah. And you know what? I'm going to miss him. And anyone who's been seeing my tweets will see that I miss him. But my granddad had a wonderful vinyl collection. <laughs> and he had, now he was not a DJ. Right. My my granddad would be terribly upset. If you <laughs> even hit, hinted yeah. at the idea of scratching one of his records, he'd think you were going to destroy it. I know. I had it my dad very much the same way. <laughs> my dad was a jazz and blues guy and he had a lot of records. I, I got some, he passed away some years ago and I got all his stuff, but he was, when I first was trying to learn how to DJ on his Lafayette diamond tipped record player, he was not trying to hear it. <laughs> nope. Nope. And you know, my granddad, you know, we would, he would put on a record and we would, you know, after dinner and we would, you know, dance like, you know, like, you know, like jig to it because yeah. that's what he did. And that's where I get my love of music is from granddad. But and so what I was going to say is now you don't have to worry about destroying your, your dad or your granddad's vinyl collections because what, what other ways that people can get into hip hop, you know, DJing through modern technology? What are some of the options? Yeah. I mean, there's so many tools now. Um, you're right. You don't have to have a whole turntable, uh, you know, giant turntables with crates and you, you know, load them up on a, on a dolly and, you know, bring them in and, ca- you know, I, I, I can't show you right here, but I mean, I have, I have a, I have a, a DJ deck that I, that I take out with me and it's no wider, you know, than my keyboard and, and, and mouse basically. And, and you can, for a couple hundred bucks and you plug it into a computer and you get a free version of Serato and you get some MP3s and you load them in and you practice being a DJ, like in, in your house quietly as a secret, like, you know, you can be the, you know, like no one will know that this is my secret middle midlife crisis, you know. Um, <laughs> and but that's fun. And you know what? Because of technology, you can go on YouTube and you can watch tutorial videos. You can take classes. There's, in, uh, I'm sure, out uh, in the UK, this this happens all all over the place. In, in, in the United States, I know a bunch of instructors that'll teach you. They you know, the little schools that have like you know. 20 decks all, and they have students and they're all learning together. Like there's so many opportunities to get into the idea of, and forget being a you know, turntablist, uh, you know, and doing all that stuff. Like just the idea of 
I mean, it's what a playlist is, right? It's I, I made a play. I made a mix. Let's go farther back. I made a mixtape, right? I t- oh gosh, yeah. Come on, we made. And then again, this is technology. This is one thing that hip hop was really good at because before hip hop, it was only vinyl and cassettes. And cassettes you would use to record the vinyl so you could be more portable, or you'd sneak, or you'd sneak your tape recorder into a Grateful Dead concert and you'd you know record the concert and maybe you'd copy it for a friend and, and bootleg it that way. But when hip hop started doing that, here's another way that very briefly that hip hop hacks technology and was able to do this was they, the cassettes were the mode of music transportation. So the, there was a big, the cold crush brothers battled some other group in in New York city and they had, and someone recorded it. Apparently they, they did very well. They thought they won this, this, you know, rap off. And so what they did was they took cassettes and uh, back in the days in New York, there was a thing called the OJ car service. And what it would be is, let's say you own a, a fancy Cadillac. Well, at night, uh, all the all the players, all the ballers in town would pay to rent your car, sort of as a limousine, and there'd be a driver. Yeah, so they, it was like Uber. They'd rent out their cars to, you know, so you pull up to the club in this fancy Cadillac, you come out the back like you're being driven like a limousine. So this was a car service. So what they did was they went around, they made copies of this battle that they won, and they gave this the cassettes to all the cab drivers in New York City. Or in the Bronx, at least. And play this every time someone gets in your car. And that propagated their name throughout the borough. Fast forward a little bit. This is how hip-hop was propagated from New York to Maryland or Virginia. When cousins would come up for the summer and you'd make copies of these cassettes and it would go back down. Now Virginia, because it was all, all in New York. Everything was in New York. Then it, you know, people. Then it starts expanding out. Then you were sending you these mixtapes, these that you would copy off the radio because at this time you could only hear rap on the radio four hours a week. Even in New York City in the eighties, you know, from ten to two in the morning on Friday and Saturday night, and you would record, you know, the rap shows off the radio, and then that's what you would listen to for the rest of the week. So you'd make copies, and then people would send them to their loved ones who were stationed in Germany, uh, you know, in the military. And now you've got hip hop propagating around the world. So again, it's using this technology that wasn't made for this. And then later, fast forward one more time, tech, I'm just talking technology now. And then artists would say, hey, I want to put out a, a song. I just made a great song last night. I want to put it out. And they, the record label would say, you can't put it out. We, we don't, we're not putting out a single until September 28th. You know, we, our marketing department has termed, has decided that September is a great time to release a single. He's like, I got a single right now. This guy, you know, uh, called me out. I got to respond. You know, I got to put out a diss track. You know, I got to, or I just made this great song. I want to share it. It's still summertime. It's a summer vibe. No, no, no. You can't do that. I said, okay. So they went to the DJs that were making mixtapes and selling them. And they said, hey, DJ Clue, I got an exclusive for you. Mm. DJ Clue says, ah, put it on my mixtape. I'll say, so now he's selling the mixtapes with an exclusive from this artist that isn't on the record. The record label doesn't even know about it. DJ makes all this money. The artist gets all this buzz and they're circumventing the entire record industry. Wow. Which if you connect the dots and we had a longer time would tie into streaming, uh, LimeWire, peer to peer, and then perhaps now to like full on streaming services, which and tie back around to what you just said. Now you could DJ through title. Yeah. So you can actually have your Serato. You don't even have to have MP3s anymore. You could just have an internet connection to Title, and you could, if you have a subscription to Title, you pull down the songs and you could DJ them in your little controller without even owning a single MP3. You know, and and you know, so I just say that all you know, hip hop has been in the middle of all of this, if not you know the cause of it all. So yeah, technology. Man. <laughs> and you hip, you said something else about streaming. Yeah. You know, there will be twitch and youtube live streams of hip-hop djs and you know djs doing a set you know i mean i know for example and i don't know if maybe hip-hop i don't know i'll have to ask him but ravi abbott from a retro hour mm. did with neil from mccabe he did a live set from mccabe mm. of music now a lot of that was done on the commodore amiga you know and we could dive so much into some of the tools 100%, i love that stuff 8-bit music and all that jazz oh, <laughs> it's very cool it's great yeah but also when we talk about, you know, actually producing your your the beats and producing the underlying stuff and actually producing the tracks, we've gone to you know, Garage Band is possibly one of the best tools that Apple have brought to the market for music creation. Absolutely. And again, even as a hobbyist, I I know a guy that, you know, always wanted to be a musician and he uses a garage band all the time and you know, now he's starting to play out. Like, you know, you can do it and, and it's it's easy enough. Again, with technology you're able to get the uh, the instruction. All right, you get the tools, you can get it for free. 
you know, the, some of the applications, uh, you know, are free. Some of the hardware is cheap. And it's it's look the stuff on your phone you could do you could DJ through your phone yeah. you could make beats through, through a, 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 a Apple or a, or a Android app, so the bar you know the barrier to access is gone. This is and as I'm sure you've talked about in some other ways, this I, I, I'm a journalist, so this has been a problem, you know that everyone can do news, you know what I mean, but shouldn't you know everyone can make a podcast, but not everyone <laughs> but shouldn't yeah you know um. Some people would say that about this show, but hey, you know. No, well, this is a great show, man. This is just some of the topics we've covered already. Uh, you know, this is interesting uh, and, and valuable stuff. You know, a couple of, you know, blokes sitting around a microphone talking about, you know, the latest thing. It doesn't always work. But the barrier to entry being so low does create a problem that I think exacerbates the previous problem about hip hop, just like it does with journalism, just like it does with movies, just like it does with everything, with literature, with books. Just because you have giant blockbusters doesn't mean that, you know, uh, indie house films don't exist. Just because, just because you have, you know, YouTube influencers doesn't mean that documentaries aren't still being made. Uh, just because you have talking heads doesn't mean that news doesn't still exist. And with hip hop, it's very important to say that even though everyone can do this stuff, where you get your source material from, where you get your instruction from, it's like I go back to the beginning. What we're looking for in hip hop is authenticity and respect, you know, for the for the culture and the craft. And anyone with that who comes into the game with that, you could be, you could have, could have been your granddad. If you just anyone who wants to try to sing out or dabble with it, there's an entry point for you that relates to what you do and who you are. Again, that's one thing I just I just think that hip hop does maybe better than anything else. But there's a connection to what you do. I know people that are into f- hip hop and forestry. I can I can bridge that gap for you. I could br- there's a hip hop architecture camp out here that's bridging the gap between people who have no young people who have no clue about architecture, uh, putting them onto the subject through the use of hip hop. I have financial literacy being taught through hip hop. We have folks that are doing science through through hip hop. <laughs> there's so many connections. Journalism. One of my other podcast projects is called Newsbeat. Where we take social, it's a social justice podcast. We cover social justice issues. We interview folks, you know, all the experts and journalists and professors and activists and people who are going through injustices. We interview them and then we weave the whole thing together with a score. It's sort of like a, like a documentary kind of feel. And then we invite independent rap artists to come and they spit three verses throughout the episode written for that episode. So if we're talking about the movement to close youth prisons or mass incarceration or the disparate uh, effect of coronavirus on communities of color, somebody's crafting lyrics based on the interviews that we had with experts in the field to create this wonderful new form of journalism and putting it out as a podcast. So it's, it's taking all the culture and the arts and the technology that's available to us and evolving. And let's not forget, we've got one. So you know, we've got wonderful tools to to make the music. We've got wonderful tools to record. You know, the interviews. You know, all the great video editing apps. And then we've got wonderful tools like the one we're using right now, like Squadcast, to get people together to record. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, you know, I, I, for Hip Hop Save America, especially through the pandemic, all, none of these interviews that I'm talking about would have happened if it wasn't for this kind of technology, specifically Squadcast. Shout out to Squadcast. And again, if we're looking for inclusivity as opposed to exclusivity, you know, uh, meeting people where they are instead of, you know, automatically taking a side and not being in one faction or the other. Hip hop as a culture, tools like Squadcast are designed at their core to bring people together. So if we continue to explore these things technologically and culturally and the connections, those intersections, which I think, again, I'm, I'm a hip hop guy, we could find hip hop doesn't own this, by the way, obviously, there's ways to connect with people through other genres of music, but it's this malleability of hip hop that I think, and the technological like comfort zone that we fit with, with, uh, with hip hop and technology that allows us to do this in, in, in ways that really are benefiting, like can benefit humanity, but are, I'm, you know, and that's my job is to you know see it and amplify it and advocate for it. Absolutely. Manny, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Where can people find your content? Where should people be looking on those interwebs to find you? 
Yeah, no, I appreciate it, James. Thank you so much for your interest and uh, and for your great questions. And I hope I represented my culture well today. I'm at mannyfaces.com, uh, kind of branches off from there. I do public speaking and that's sort of my my speaker hub. And I'm on uh, you know social media, on Twitter at mannyfaces and on Instagram at mannyfacesofficial because I'm official. Uh, because you've got to have the official in your title, otherwise you're not official. Somebody else yeah. has many faces there. I didn't, I didn't snag it. It's a nice guy, but I wish he'd give it to me. Whatever. Uh, but it's okay. Um, most people find me if you Google many faces. I'm, I'm out there. There's not many many faces in the world. Uh, and yeah, I'm, I, I, I go out speaking. I do Hip Hop Can Save America. You can get that at hiphopcansaveamerica.com. Or, of course, anywhere you get podcasts, just search for Hip Hop Save America. And, uh, and Newsbeat, I think, is also uh, another valuable resource for folks that like to see how hip hop is being used as journalism and yeah i'm around fantastic and of course we'll put links to all of this in the show notes which you can find over at crosswires.net head over to crosswires.net forward slash youtube for our youtube content uh, there's going to be more more of that coming you know we although you will see it in the squad shot for this episode we're getting the lighting set up here and everything like that and we've got some cool stuff and we are on twitter as well at crosswiresmg similar thing crosswires was taken and i don't have the energy to go and try and get it uh, you can email podcast at crosswires.net and please you know do share your stories you know what what's your experience of hip-hop music if you are you a hip-hop dj have you used some of this technology i'd love to hear from you and i know i'm not going to confirm anything yet but i know a dear friend of mine uh who does a lot of music production is going to be coming onto the show probably later this year to talk more on the music production side of things so do keep an eye out for that and of course if you're a good pods listener do start a conversation on good pods you can also comment on the post of course but do start a conversation in good pods and i promise i'll reply to everyone thank you so much everyone for listening and thank you again manny for your time thank you i appreciate you